There's a place I have found in the shade on the ground. And welcome to Vine Permaculture Podcast, episode eight. Uh, I'm Cormac, and joined today by Mike. How's it going, Mike? Very well. How are you doing, Cormac? Yeah, doing well. Uh, so this week we're going to cover uh, talk about composting, which we covered in our lunchtime nest lunchtime learning episode eight, and you can get that full episode over at vinepermaculture.com forward slash ll8. And this week it's all about composting. So we discussed cold composting, uh, hot composting, and then a bit of a speciality one, which is like bokashi and worm composting. We'll get that last. So um, tell us about your composting, Mike. <laughs> what, 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 what do you do at your, uh, at your place? Well, we, we've tried many different ways. Um, we started out with probably just, you know, we've always done the kitchen scraps and everything. We had a garden back in Pennsylvania. Um, and that was a small system. And we actually, that system, we just dumped it in a pile for about five years. And then suddenly we had like a whole gardens full of like rich compost, but it took five years. That was the sort of lazy method. Um, and now here in Vermont, um, you know, we build a house, we have a lot of pallets. So we've tried to use the pallets as much as possible. So we're making the, you know, the pallet block systems of basically a four by four and a three bin. We're using like a three bin system where you would, you know, put it in one, turn it over to the next, turn it over to the final bin and then out for, you know, out for use. Um, so, and that's kind of, we've um, not been paying a lot of attention to that. We've tried worm um, tea composting, you know, in the past uh, with some success. And um, we've also done, I did the, uh, I did a sort of modified Johnson Sioux composting um, system. And this is a, where you take a wire bin, you fill it, uh, you know, a, a round cylinder of wire. You put a, a like landscape cloth on the outside to keep moisture in, uh, but still allow air. Um, and then you have a, this is a modified version. Uh, it's not the actual Johnson. So Johnson C uses plastic PVC tubes here and there to go through to bring air into the middle of the composting system, which really helps. This modified system, you know, you want air will penetrate about a foot into compost, I believe. I think that's the kind of standard measurement. So, um, this modified system gives you then two feet thick ring. You're basically, instead of all the tubes, you put one giant tube in the middle, leaving two feet between the edge and the middle. So you kind of have to do a little, little bit of math on that. And so you make a central ring where air is now just pours into the middle and can get to that central most compost. So and then of course, air on all, all the outside. We did so that. So it's like a yep. compost, a compost donut. <laughs> yeah. Like a, um, donut a ring? compost tokamak if, uh, if there's any nuclear physics physicists out there can't even say them I, I doubt they're listening to us too <laughs> yeah, i'm sure i'm sure that's most of our audience uh, but um, yeah so so that system and i think that system we again it's the time that you want to put into it and how much time you have to dedicate it and we're trying to do we that, we're, that was back in the days and we were trying to do every permaculture thing we saw on on online um, you know, and you can't do them all. So you end up focusing on some, but uh, I think that system does have hope. It didn't work out perfectly for us because we didn't put the right stuff in. We had a whole bunch of chicken manure. We were doing a, you know, the manure system with chickens. There's another composting system we've used is chickens, uh, hard, hard wood mulch, and then it would mix in over the season. And then in the spring, you'd bring it out, clean out the chicken coop. And then we put that into that Johnson Sioux modified system. Um, and not enough, not enough nitrogen and and carbon ratio to really make a serious effort. I made a serious effort building it, and then ran out of time to maintain it. So you know, any systems, any system except for a quick system, like a Bukashi system, um, which there's like a two week turnover. But so, what systems have you done? Basically, all of them that you've mentioned. <laughs> so I've done the. Uh, we get the things here the the, the call we call them Dalek composting bins. Dalek. Dalek. It's a it's a reference from uh Doctor Who. Oh okay. the robot right. and Doctor Who's a Dalek and it basically is a Dalek. It's like uh you have a lid on top and then it goes down like in a cone shape. 
at the bottom and you, you just keep feeding it. So you put your vegetable scraps in there. Now, again, like you, it can take years, but what, what, uh, I, I have left stuff on there. It's taken several years, but then as I got more on it and I wanted it faster, the problem with the Dardics, uh, and that sort of taking a time, it goes, uh, anaerobic, which is sort of for a few okay. years here, it's like without oxygen. So it can smell quite a lot. So I, I have uncovered a few buns, sort of stacked them up, left them for a while. Problem with darks is you can't turn them and and they get very uh, stodgy and they compact and compress. But what I did then was I um, took the compost. So I had it in the garden and I, and I needed compost. So what I did was I just lifted the dark up and then you're left with this big stinking messy pile. <laughs> so what I did was buried it in a row and then that was the fertility on the ground. So get rid of the smell and then I just mulched over the top. So that it was smelly work, but it was worth worth it. So after that, then I was like, right. Do you, let me yeah. ask you, do you have raccoons near you where you're at? No, we have no raccoons. The worst we have to worry about is maybe cats or rats. To dig it up. The, the, but the, the rats oh. the rats won't dig it out. Now, when I left it, normally a wee mouse or something will run out. But uh, there's no mice in the house, so it's, it's, it's not really a problem. And Oh, you don't have mice? That's nice. Well, there's mice here, but we don't have a problem with them. I'm, I'm on the city. Uh, I have seen the odd rat about, which is normal. Oh. It's not really, not too many. When I had chickens, I had a rat, but it only came for a few days. And then it disappeared because it couldn't get to the food because I had the food suspended. So it obviously smelt the chicken food. Right. Yeah, it still attracted, I'm sure. But it was attracted, but anyway, he realized he couldn't get it. He seemed to clear off. Um, so that was the so I started then doing the more uh layering in cardboard and shredded newspaper. So I got a shredder, all my bulls get shredded, it gets put in a big bin. So when I'm adding adding food scraps in, I grab a either car, tear cardboard up, tear the stuff up to try and layer it, which improved it a wee bit. But then what I did then was start, I, I did that over, the, say, the course of the winter. And then in the summer, say spring, I would make a hot pile. So I would take that cold pile and then I would mix it in with my other source of compost, which was the chicken run, exact same as you, deep bedding. Mm -hmm, deep bedding, so, yeah. So... Basically, to explain that was, uh, so it's the deep bed, and you put a carbon source on, and then when the chicken's pooping the, on the carbon source, it, it it soaks up the smell, and the you don't have a smell. So basically, and, it, and all that chicken feed sort of makes its way to the bottom where it turns on the nice compost. So then in the spring, then, I would make a hot pile with the chicken compost, the cold compost, and then any grass cuttings or anything I could get, and then I would do a hot pile. So do a cold pile for, say, over the winter, Add in the chicken manure with the wood chips and then add in plenty of nitrogen, say your first cut of grass. And then that all goes in a hot pile and then that gets turned every couple of days. And then I get about a, I was getting about a cubic meter of compost every six months doing that. Because meter. Oh, that's, that's a significant, you're, yeah. you're in a suburban situation, I think. Yeah. You're, it's uh, less uh, than an acre of land and that, le that's probably le less than a 10th. Oh wow! So that's that's probably uh, not part of compost for your whole garden. Was that for? Oh, I I have I have loads of compost left over. Like oh. it's more than enough. I end up giving some of it away. Oh, that's uh, great. The only thing that's I had, the opposite I, of our problem. I, <laughs> too, too, too little compost. Uh, probably too little effort really put into it ultimately. But so I like yeah. this method because it was twice a year. It's just one big intense. Sort of two two so at the spring and then September do the same thing, so then you just put the wood chips, some of the chickens, let them compost. So over the over the summer period as well, all the weeds go under the chickens. Uh, it's illegal for us here to give our chickens kitchen scraps. You can actually go to jail for it. <laughs> that sounds like Florida. What, what do you mean? Uh, it's basically to do with bird flu and cross contamination. We. We had the mad cow disease and stuff they got. So it's basically oh, okay. if meat, if I bring meat into my kitchen, that could contaminate any food scraps that was served to the chickens. So that's that's the sort of short version of the reason behind it. So it's like a, uh, what do you call that? Biohazard. 
So what okay. I do, what I do then is first. So I, any food scraps, I compost them in the cold pile. All the plant waste goes under the chickens, and then at the every six months, then that all goes together in a big hot pile. So it's like two months a year I'm composting, and that that gets me about a cubic meter every time, which is quite it's more more than I need. Like I have three, yeah, I have three cubic meters right at the back at the moment. I don't know where to go. <laughs> uh, I'm actually jealous. Like that's well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, nice. I'm not small of an area. And what I did as well was I get coffee grounds from work, mm -hmm. and then what I was doing was uh, there's a wee coffee van at the bottom of the street. I would leave, uh, I would leave a bucket with them. So what they do is they just fill my bucket full of the coffee waste coffee grounds. And then I pull up, I have another sort of like a tote, I think usually Americans would call it like a, like a, uh, I know it's like about 50 liter, 50 liter container in the boot. So I would just take the bucket, empty it in the container, hand them back the bucket and then they'd fill it up. So I'd come back every two days for that. And then that would go in the compost as well. So that heats up nice and, you know, so I would keep, keep that. And then that would, that would go in with the wood chips. So you can imagine how hot that. That gets then up to like seventy degrees Celsius, which is uh, one hundred eighty something like that, one hundred ninety. No, well, like ninety is about thirty degrees Celsius, so it's like it's it's like in the one hundred and forty, one hundred and fifty or something Fahrenheit. Okay, yeah, which is a decent composting temperature. Uh and then just turning that then every week, not every two days. I have done it every two days, but being busy, we don't really have time for that. Yeah, well, it sounds uh, like that's uh, that's a good system. You said a lot of intense activity, but just twice a year, and uh, obviously, an over a, like if you're on a tenth of an acre, I think most people like here in the United States, for example, are on about a quarter acre in the suburbs in, in a similar situation, parallel to you. So that's that's still more than more compost than they would need. They could give some off to their neighbors, and so that's that's an effective system. Yeah, and it's it's handy as well because I'm doing it every day. I'm passing the coffee shop, so I'm, I'm driving past there anyway. So it's just a matter of pulling in. So it's a free resource. I get it. I get it from work. It's a free resource. It's not going to landfill. It's it's not. Uh, it's not using any excess energy. Um, and it and it's actually turning on the soil rather than, which grows food. So it's. Yeah, you're finding value in something that would be just waste otherwise. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting in work because I I started doing it. Uh, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, and then people would ask, "See, go, what's that for?" And then you would tell them, "Oh, it's for comp. Oh, can you use that? Oh, I must get some." And I said, "Well, I have more than enough. Do you want to take it on a Friday?" So I, I start. People started taking it, and there was three or four of us taking it at the end, and we'd all take turns. We'd just take a bag every day, and there was periods, and I would say, "Look, I'm full up. I don't need any." And then they would take it. So it worked out quite well. So it's actually taking it, and that happens at the coffee shop as well. People say, what are you doing? <laughs> What's that for? You're getting something right. for free. And then it's like, all oh, right, that's that's class. And then you could do that. So it's, it's um, what do you call it? You're, you're, you're spreading knowledge just by doing something, and you're not even trying. <laughs> you're making the whole world a better place. You took something that would just go to a landfill or wherever it goes, and then turned it into this valuable soil, which then would turn a plant into something, maybe food or, or something that's just going to benefit things. So, mm. yeah, I mean, that's... That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, the uh, I guess the we haven't we don't you know it's we're in a much more rural situation than you. The one store in town literally is a mile away, and but they have um we go and we gather their cardboard out of their cardboard bin, um and you know take off all the paper and the plastic and stuff off of that, and I'll spend time doing that, and that's basically for our essentially two acres that we actually or actually really one acre that we actually plant. Um, we've had enough cardboard to, you know, to do the the mulching ahead of time, you know, in the fall, and then it's ready by the spring, it breaks down the cardboard, et cetera. So, but that's using that same, that same resource. Um, and then even for, if we don't have that, it'd be nice to have some research that's nitrogen rich, the, um, the coffee grinds and like, you know, and there's food scraps. Um, we actually like, I think 10 years ago took Elaine Ingham's composting course uh when we were in pennsylvania she was in at the rodale institute in pennsylvania it was a day course day-long course and um pretty intense we actually made a compost pile and she a very conventional system but 
a good amount of bulk, similar to the Johnson Sioux, which about a two cubic meters. If you were to fill it all the way, you wouldn't end up, you'd probably end up with about one cubic meter of compost because it probably goes down about half, you think? In volume? Um, generally? Not, not If you do the hot way, it doesn't go down so much. I think because it's, uh, if you do it the cold, I, uh, I think the cold way goes a lot more because Jeff, Jeff Lawton's Berkeley method, I don't think it loses. I see my my compost is very um because of the wood chips on it. The wood chips don't break down, so mine's would be more of a. It's a very woody compost. Yeah, and then what I found here because it rains a lot, if I mulch the beds with that, the rain washes the compost off and leaves the mulch on top. So you end up then with a woody layer on top as a mulch where everything's washed down in a compost tea. So mine well, didn't actually lose that much bulk. Oh, that's good. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you have all that structure in the wood mulch. Uh, the compost just kind of falls down in between. Oh, that's good. That's where you want. You want the mulch on top and the compost below that. Uh, so that works out nicely. All uh, right. So it was like, it was just, I did that by accident. It was no, <laughs> it was like, oh, that's handy. Because I just mulched the bed. Throw, throw it on the bed and then you realize the end you look out a couple weeks later and it's mostly wood chips left on top it's just because yeah, the smaller it, particles fall to the bottom in general i think with gardening like there's all these techniques and stuff and it's good to know that and it's it's sophisticated to know that and it, it's helpful to have these you know extra techniques um but sometimes people can get wrapped up in the fear of things now composting is a little bit more of a, a strict you kind of have to achieve Actually, you can you can do it pretty loosely. It's according to how fast you want your compost, basically. You know, I did the lazy method five years ago or well, 15 years ago. It took five years to get essentially a cubic meter of compost. But you're achieving that, obviously, in a, in a year. Twice a year? or, or uh, tw twice, twice a year, I get a cubic meter. So you well, get two cubic meters a, a year with your method. Yeah, maybe slightly wow. less because of the – it probably was – Say eighty percent of that, seventy percent of that. So I, I fill the pal, I fill that pallet. So I have a pallet system as well. So pallets about one point two meters on it. Length. Yeah, I'd say it's about a cubic meter pallet, 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 like a block. All right, so it's about one by one by one. So I fill that, and it's like mounted over the top, and then just put a tarp on top. So yeah, it does go down a wee bit, but it's roughly a cubic meter. Where are you getting all this biomass in a tenth of an acre? Are you like? Sneaking in your neighbor's lawns at night, well, or my my check my chicken run was six foot by eighteen foot at one stage. We six we six. Oh, how many chickens? Three chickens, just. Oh, okay. So they plenty. So it's it was like uh, I used to call it chicken Alcatraz because they it was like uh, it was a galvanized steel dog run repurposed for a chicken coop. Perfect. So it was against the wall, like a say a six foot wall and then I had like six by six panels. So say even though it won't stay, say it was like twelve by six. So that's like what twelve by six is like seventy square feet. And then six inches of six inches of wood chip. So that mm -hmm. was more that was more than enough. And then the with the coffee grounds and the biomass in and on top of it. And yeah, so you were a dedicated effort, you would say. Not dedicated, systemized. <laughs> systematic effort so okay. this it was systematic i had the i had the wood chips in so it was like i had a source that uh, i got the wood chips from the uh from somebody who was getting rid of trees so i went they were getting rid of a pile of trees so i went and sourced the wood chips made a made a pile of them so the pile of wood chips there and then i just kept basically filled the chicken on six inches deep with the wood chips so i get rid of half of them and then basically you're throwing on all your 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 plant scraps in there. So that's you're turning your green and the and the brown waste then and the chicken manure. And then over the course of six months then there was there was enough uh, if you like non woody material compost in there to actually fill then fill the bag. So if I if you think I so I had the chickens, then I had a, like a maybe another half meter stacked high of coffee that I'd been collecting for six months in bags. You think I was getting like two pound of coffee a day and just putting it up. Okay. High? So that's, there, there's probably actually some of the volume I'd say like, 
because I'm just trying to, yeah, I guess, I guess you could get a two cubic meters worth of material a day. And that, that has to go down a bit though. It's probably start out with more. Are you putting in like lawn clippings and um... no, the lawn clippings go into the chickens. So, okay. So I, everything goes from the chicken coop out. So the chickens pre-process it. All right, so, it so I have, I have two, two ways. So plant waste goes into the chickens. So plant waste goes on the chicken. So that becomes wood chip and chicken manure. Then I have the coffee grounds that I collect throughout the course of the year. Mm-hmm. And then I also have the cold compost then that I have been just putting my waste food on. So that's all separate because I have to keep the three things separate. So you, if you think again, I have three piles in the chicken coop, the coffee grounds in bags, and then the cold compost. And then that, that all gets mixed together twice a year. And then just to, and then, just, yeah, it all mixes well. And then it just all mixes. And what I do is I do a lasagna, like layer it. Mm-hmm. So you just, you put on a layer of wood chips and chicken and then a layer of coffee, then a layer of stinky stuff, then wood chips, coffee. And then just whatever, whatever I have, I sort of try and put, and then I'm, I'm wetting that down as I go. Where are you yeah. getting all the wood chips? You have a chipper? I have a chipper, but I just, uh, I just, I have, I've managed to gather enough like I seen a neighbor ch- chopping down trees and I went over and with me, uh, I got a trailer and went over and filled the trailer. Okay. So that's one trailer loads, a cubic meter. Yeah, that's a lot. So all I have to do is get two trailer loads every six months. And I still have a trailer load of wood chips in the front garden that I haven't got to yet. So once no, that, okay. well, so, so, once that's go- so once that's gone, I'll have another six months to find wood chips. And now coming into the spring, people will start, uh, start chopping down trees and making things tidy. So there's plenty of brown materials about uh, leaves as well. Goes goes into that, the brown leaves. Yeah, that's almost mm. like, it's interesting because we, we left the Pennsylvania suburbs and we, we did gardening there and we, there were resources everywhere. The municipal compost system, they made it for you. And you just actually went, <laughs> uh, you went and picked it up. I mean, now we we argued with ourselves about chemicals and you know GMOs and people's lawns and you know everything and so and there's road runoff rates but I, I runoff from the roads but um you know like does that burn out in the composting system so some of that's faith and some of it's just you know it's probably better that you're using compost if you're living in an urban environment then you're constantly breathing in toxins anyway. So the fact that you're doing compost, even in that system, even if there's something in that lawn, um, then it's it's going to be it's going to go to there. That's going to be filtered out by the time you get to the tomato. You know, um, I I just I believe that. So like probably the stress and the worry about the toxins in things, unless you know it's a bad source, is probably worse than the actual little bit of chemical exposure to you, especially compared to the amount of that most people do get today because of the society we live in. So um the um i'm gonna say the composting um yeah so i don't i don't know if uh that if that burns out all of the uh all the chemicals from that we don't we don't know um well i know um, i know the source where i got them there was no chemical sprays because it's neighbors I, I just happened to drive past when they're 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 chipping their trees so you knew the exact source which is perfect so, so i know the source um so I would, I don't worry. Tend not to worry about stuff like that because it's impossible. I think they, it's it's not worth the worry. I don't think they think well. It's, yeah, as you say, by the time it gets the tomato, so the wood chips would, would soak a lot of it up. I think uh, it would get locked up in that carbon, and what yeah. I, and what I, what I have discovered recently, I think uh, adding biochar to your compost seems to be. A, a recent thing that a lot of people are talking about. I noticed a lot in permaculture circles, people, a lot of talk about biochar. So I would love to try that in the compost. And I think that would I suck believe... a lot of the, con- the the toxins out as well. Yeah, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it, it not only, you know, the biochar is, it has a million surface, little surface. It's got a whole bunch of surface area for the volume of it. All these crenulations, all these nooks and crannies in there in the structure and therefore it becomes a, a sponge to hold to to absorb toxins out and, and kind of retain them instead of them flowing through your soil 
um, but also it holds in nutrients in all those nooks and crannies. So it it like um, increases the the surface area, the total surface area of the compost system. Um, so yeah, that's it. I think we tried that again with some success <laughs> several years ago. Um, but that's that's we've been saving. I've been for that purpose with char, just biochar. We we have a wood stove and have been saving. Actually, now have three large trash cans full of wood ash and um, wood um, charcoal, just the charcoal from it. So when there's time, when I get this house finished, I'm going to start, you know, breaking up the charcoal. And then we, we need to make a serious compost system. And it's going to be a combination of things. Like you said, you have a cold compost and you mix it with your hot compost. You have a chicken compost system where chickens are a third layer of farmer for you because they're doing that mechanical work of mixing it and aerating it while the worms are doing a little version of that and then the microbes are doing you know the bulk of the work um so yeah it's good to be in an urban environment where you have a lot of resources and i, I think that's right like we used to worry about the chemicals a lot more um but now yeah because you have all those resources you have cardboard you have um you know municipal compost wood chips probably can get them for free from like you were saying from people chopping trees down um, here in an urban environment, you're more reliant probably on your farm for the biomass where you'd have, you know, if you have an acre of property or more, you can chop down things and just bring in that green nitrogen material. In Elaine Ingham's, um, her uh, composting class, um, you know, it was a conventional thing. I mean, she just did, she did the lasagna layer thing. Um, she, I forget the ratio, so I don't, don't quote me, but she, there was a very specific ratio, 70, 30 or something like that of nitrogen to carbon. And it was always basically, yeah, add a layer of carbon, you know, the brushy, woody stuff if you're on a farm or wood chips if you're if you're doing, you know, the, the method you're doing, Cormac. Um, so then, yeah, wood chips and then some kind of nitrogen, some either, you know, carbon is basically dead plant material, nitrogen, it would be live plant material. They say the best um, best leaves if you're going to put in, um, oh, that's actually for wood chips, I'm sorry. Um, so then she'd have it, so a layer of carbon, a layer of, of nitrogen, and then always you water it. And then you just repeat the process all the way up the stack until, until you're finished. And um, I think her system compressed maybe 60%, you know, at the end, by the time and you end up with that much compost. But that was a pretty intense, almost like baking. You know, you want to you want to get that chemical reaction, get up to 140 Fahrenheit, or um, I'm not sure exactly what that is in Celsius, but 140 to 160, where you want to start killing that anaerobic bacteria that's in the middle of the of the system, which is probably anaerobic is is a good segue probably into the Bukashi uh, system. Yeah, tell uh, us all about that. Uh, I've never used the Bukashi. Either, either have I, but I've learned a lot about it recently. Um, so uh, I've been watching videos and, and having some discussions. Um, yeah, the Bukashi is it's a good, I don't know if it's the silver bullet that you need for your compost. Maybe for a small garden, it very well could be, um, you know, but, um, but probably in the end, any, uh, any kind of uh, garden of any size, you probably need a combination of maybe all the things we discussed were, were a lot of the things where you, you have some kind of slow, lazy compost system that's just there for bulk. You don't have to spend a lot of time in it. Something a little more active if you have chickens. You know, when we, we I come from New Jersey. We weren't allowed to have chickens. No way. We actually called and asked the police about, like, you know, oh, can can you have chickens in, you know, where we are here in, in, in our municipality? And he's like, chickens, who, wh what neighbor, what's the address? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not telling on any of my neighbors. I'm asking if I can have chickens. He's like, no. <laughs> that was like the actual conversation. So we were going to do it anyway, but we moved to Vermont. So, um, so here, yeah, we, we don't, we don't, we don't have that availability. So um, the Bukashi system, anyway, some kind of combination of things. And here's the advantage of the Bukashi. There's two things that make the Bukashi system special first of all bukashi is a brand it's a kind of brand um it's like a japanese word for it Jap bukashi um and it's a kind of brand that a certain kind of bacteria like i think it's a lactobacillus and they um they, they go crazy with it and what the bukashi system allows you to do is you're kind of doing composting like regular um but 
instead of just leaving that sticky, icky, smelly food scraps on their own, you want to coat them with the Bukashi brand. This is the, just the basic principles of it and surround them with that. And then you put, you know, your other, your other layers of, uh, you know, so brand and then food and then more brand and maybe some other materials um, that, that would break down. Um, and that's like a straight Bukashi system. So you put that in a bin and you seal the bin and that's anaerobic. And once you seal the air out, there's no, there's a little bit of very tiny bit of air in the system. Um, and what that actually allows you to do and in, in a regular compost system, anaerobic is a bad word, you know, because then it creates the stink and you got to air it out. That's why you're turning it all the time to prevent anaerobic, you know, microclimates to 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 happen. Um, in the Bukashi system, instead of turning it, uh, the brand sort of does that thing. And it, so it allows you to do two things. It allows you to create compost in two weeks, two weeks that you put right into the garden. And it allows you to, to compost meat, cheese, fish scraps. The, the stinky things that you would you wouldn't put in a normal composting system, you can get away with in a Bukashi system because of the brand and the bacteria it brings in to help break that down because it's an anaerobic system. Um, but with that comes some stink, um, so you want to be you want to put that right in your kitchen with your compost bin. That's for sure. You want to probably put that out somewhere where, if the breeze was blowing, it would waft it away. Um, so, and then you're also draining off fluid from that system and you can either remove it from the system completely or you could use it and apply it as some kind of compost tea um, into a garden which is probably for another discussion but either way you're, you're draining off materials and leaving it um, so that's a straight bukashi system and that that would um, you know produce compost in three weeks maybe four weeks um, if you add earthworms not earthworms, I'm sorry. If you add composting worms like red wiggler worms, um, this will accelerate it even further. So that that procedure, I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of different ways. And again, I haven't done it myself. So not an expert, but just have enough, watch enough YouTube videos to be trouble. Um, you, I believe the procedure is you put in the you you have basically okay so to discuss the, the the structure of it you have the simplest way is really two five gallon buckets one has holes in the bottom the other doesn't you put the one with the holes inside the one without the holes you separate it with a brick or something that's you know non-toxic and waterproof to and that'll allow when you have to because that'll allow the fluid to drain out of the one bucket into the bottom bucket which you capture and the brick will give it some room for the fluid to fill up in case you, you miss it. Because you don't want that to overflow. Because if that were to, to come up to the level of the bottom of the bucket, now, you know, th this could, you know, it could be too much uh, of an anaerobic situation. So you want to keep draining that off. Um, you add the red wiggler worms in. So you would have your bran layer, your food scrap layer, and you add the worms into there. More bran, food scraps, worms, bran. And then you finally always finish off with a layer of bran. You want to just surround everything with bran um and that that magic changes the whole allows you to do meat and fish and it allows you to have that anaerobic it's, it's just going with the anaerobic thing instead of avoiding it in the other system which is interesting really interesting i, I didn't know that you really could do that until recently until i learned about this this interesting japanese system um so also, so more back to the bucket. So you, again, you're trying to create an anaerobic situation. If you have holes in the bucket and you have compost, the compost can come through the hole. So it's good to put a layer of a cloth, some kind of filter. People use actually new, cheapest ways, newspaper and cardboard scraps, and they'll prevent the soil from going while still allowing air, I mean, the I'm sorry, fluid to, to drip out the holes. Um, and they'll also break down and become carbon and food for the the worms and the microbes in the system so it's really good i've seen it done with a um uh, a cloth uh, epic gardening in california he has a really good video on youtube that i um that i watched um that, that he, he goes through really the building of the the bucket system which is very good um so you have a filter cloth on the bottom you put in all your your layer your lasagna of organic materials and then at the top on top of that it's nice to place something if you were to cut it out the same size of the bucket 
some kind of seal on the, not the lid. The lid is the real seal, but a second seal so that when you check the system and take the lid off later, you're not just flooding air right into the thing because you want to keep air out. So if you had a, a membrane or some kind of layer, um, cut out a piece of rubber or even a piece of plastic, that'll kind of cover it for the most part. It keeps that air out because you have to check the system every, ideally every three, four days to uh, see how how it's doing. How do, um, how do the worms cope with the, with the lack of oxygen? I thought worms needed oxygen. I know, I did too. But it <laughs> seems like... I suppose uh, if it's, it's only two weeks. That I think, yeah, I think it's 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 in the time. It's not completely anaerobic. You know, um, you have... Think about it. You have a, a seal on the top of the of the lid. That's why I said there's, there's some air in there. It's probably enough for them... To work i've also seen it as another this is the method i'm just going with because it was one of the methods another method is you just do the straight and this might be safer again i haven't done it so i don't know again enough youtube to be trouble um so another system i saw which is where it, you just do the straight bukashi and then two weeks later you add the worms into it at that point once it becomes aerated and then they further break it down and that might really be the better way um, of doing it um, just because it's safer. And I, I I agree with you. I thought that was a little sketchy. I just figured the worms would have enough air. You, it's not completely airtight because you have – the buckets are loosely together and there's holes in the bottom of the bucket, although there's stuff on top of right. it. So it's not so air blowing through the system. But So it's, it's the, the layer of food scraps will, will be anaerobic, but the, the, you'll still have that – air volume on the sort of the top of the bucket yeah you'd have so however it's, it's that, so when you say anaerobic you mean the actual material in there is anaerobic because it's 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 well, i think you're trying i think you're trying to tend toward an anaerobic system versus aerating the soil like mick turning it over uh i think you're kind of going with that more because and that allows me but again it, it's a it's a complicated um system that i haven't actually done but yeah. uh, I think uh, Crystal has done it. Uh, she's done hers indoors as well. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, um, she was chatting about it. She she says it's a great system, and you can have it on the counter as well if you're more, if you don't mind a wee bit of waff off it. <laughs> but uh, I I know I know that's something that wouldn't happen in my house anyway. Uh, I think I, I would be chucked out the back with a bakashi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, we, have, we have two dogs, so there's enough smells in the house. So I'll probably uh, put the compost outside. <laughs> uh, but I suppose you could have it if you had it at the back door or, or a balcony of a flat. Uh, but I have seen people do worms in flats, uh, worms in wardrobes. Uh, now this is just online. I have, I uh, do, do you raise worms at all? Yeah, we we have actually have a, we have a bin of worms, um, red wigglers, um, four or five years. That's another composting system I forgot to mention. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we have a bin. It's been six years actually. Yeah, so the best thing I ever done was I I bought a kilo of worms, and then what I was doing I was doing them again in the in the in the totes the like the plastic tubs, but I found it too much work. Um, so what I did one year was just. Toss, toss the worms in the compost pile. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to have a few die-offs, but some of them survived. Threw them in the compost pile and just left them. And they thrived. They multiplied. So my compost end was full of worms. Um, then what happened was I used to bring some in for the winter. Just to, I was worried about them dying off just as a backup. So I would get a heat mat, seed mat, and then the tub... And then I would have a wee like a baby's nightlight. So basically, when the when it when it got dark, the light came on, so the light keeps the worms in the tub. Um, just like the, it keeps them in the tub. Yeah, they 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 hide from the light. Yeah, uh, they hide from the light. So that that's the system used. And then now I don't even bother with that. I just there's enough compost out there that they'll find the sweet spot. And yes. now, now no matter what I do in my garden, if I left a brick. There's like 30 worms there. That's all red wigglers. That's they that's went nice. everywhere. And it's class, especially having the chickens there. Especially too, when I was cleaning out the chicken coop, there would just be a layer of worms underneath. And it was it was classy because I went from being very 
know constrained and very this has to be in a tub and it has to feed it once a week and sure you when you're learning it, you're always you have to keep it moist and then eventually just have stuff that's in a compost pile <laughs> and we're lucky here I'm in zone nine so it doesn't really it doesn't really get cold enough so it was minus four or five there for maybe a week um and oh. I, that was that was the sort of coldest I think the coldest I've ever seen here is minus fifteen and that was that's like a once in a lifetime thing. That's Celsius. Minus minus fifteen Celsius, yeah. That's... Yeah, and that was that was like one day. So if it freezes here, it may freeze for a couple of weeks. So to me, it, there was enough. There was enough heat this year anyway. Last year didn't freeze; it froze at night, but it always defrosted in the morning. This year we had a really we had a couple of cold snaps, but they weren't long enough for me to be worried. And the worms all survived when I turned the compost there. When I had a look, it's st still full of worms there. So I, when you're learning, you're always panicking. So it's it's nice now just to be free that the worms are free. <laughs> just go and there's plenty of them. And it, yeah, it, they know they're they're they know what they want. They they know where the food's at. They can smell it and they'll they'll find it and they'll they'll forgive all your sins. Oh, not all your sins. You can kill them, but it's hard to kill them. Uh, and I also have a. Because I have two dogs, so I I I train my dogs basically to go to the bathroom in one corner. Oh, good for you! And it's and it's concrete, so nice. when, you go to, when you go to the back, they go to that corner. So what I do is then I when you clean it up, uh, you hose it down and it washes in the drain. But sometimes the drain, it's like a if you ever seen them like plastic drains, it's about ten meters long. So basically, what happens is we drain. It's about I know 10 centimeters deep by 10 centimeters wide. And it basically just clogs up with dirt. So okay, what, like a gutter. Yeah. Like a gutter. So to me, that's contaminated because when I wash the dog's dirt, it it goes under that gutter. So it's it's like sure. unclean. So I wouldn't put it on plants. I wouldn't I wouldn't grow my salad on it. Not so, directly, but you could uh, compost it for a few years and it would be fine. Well, that's what I do. So I have okay. two, I have I have a second Dalek. That's room. what you do. I get uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. That joke. Uh, uh, so I basically so that contaminated waste goes into one Dalek. So uh and I leave that there for a long time, but even the worms found that and that's full of worms. And when I remove the like it's like a, a graded lid and, and start scraping that stuff out that's full of worms as well so whenever wow. whenever there's decaying matter it the worms seem to find it and there's that many of them now it's 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 it's, it's great because it's just it's almost like a loving system though everything's just being eaten by the worms so it that's that's the dream is to have to have all the animals happily working for you as much as possible uh, yeah. but I, I think that's because the way i always have that cubic meter of compost there i'm always working with it i am i have a surplus basically of compost so that that's they always have a place to go and that that must be a breeding and then they're just they're, they're moving out they must i don't know they sense it so that was the point of me what i was making this compost is separate from my normal system and the worms found it along concrete this this one sits on a concrete pad and the worms find probably it. went underneath. No, they, 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 they literally would have had it go over the concrete and then and underneath and up because it's this sits on a concrete, sits on concrete. Oh, so they actually exposed themselves to the sun and crawled across the desert to get to the other side. I, I have no idea how they get in there, but they're in there. <laughs> Just, gotta get a camera out there. We gotta know. Uh, so it's it's uh, but that's the thing about permaculture once you start all this stuff and once you have. Places, please, they love. Oh, is that your, are you making a, a Bakashi bucket? Uh, no, well, this, you could make it, this is the kind of bucket, I believe, that you want for Bakashi. I got a filter on it, my uh, camera. This is, my wife brought me over. This is the, uh, I don't know if it's actually going to work here because, oh, yeah. Oh, it detects flesh. The robot here, I got to put my finger down here. So this is compost oh, from our look. worm system. That looks lovely. Five gallons of compost. My wife, this is my wife's done this. She's mostly put the most effort into it. But honestly, darn, look at this. 
Yeah, you can see it's nice and black. Uh. And let me get it. And yeah, look at that. So that's that's pretty good. It's light and fluffy. Can you, you can tell that, right? Yeah, you know, you can see it's nice and black. Yeah. It's nice and dark. It's nice and crumbly. Mm, it just it smells exactly like dirt. It's just perfect. And, so. and what kind of systems that? This was this is from Red Wiggler Worm. So this is basically um, it. Basically, we have my camera's not mobile. It just has a, a wire on it. Um, basically, this this is from the system. So this is just this is output from the system. This is product. So we don't do it in this bucket. Right. Um, we uh, we have is one of those large uh, totes, maybe this big, you know. Um, plastic tote bin, maybe two feet high and a meter wide, half a meter tall. Um, and basically newspaper, moisture, food scraps, coffee. I drink a lot of coffee, so I don't need to go to the store to find coffee. So we put that in the, and, um, and then we, uh, yeah, we water it and take it. It's really low maintenance. Again, we've had it for six years. That's since before we moved into, when I was building the house, we had that system at an apartment working, the same the same worm population. And they've just reproduced and continued to, and, and we've not paid strict attention, I think in the beginning more so. Um, but now it's just, it's kicking out. I don't think we've harvested from a year. It's not producing that much every year although maybe it could if we were to keep up with it so where do you um, keep it uh, in the in the um, pantry so in the okay. kitchen in the living space if, if you have the room for it and you don't mind big thing big you know box full of dirt and worms in your kitchen um so it's personal taste i don't mind yeah so no, as i said it wouldn't happen in this house <laughs> i'd be choked out with the worms <laughs> well especially if they escape then which they they've never escaped. Um, I don't want to scare anybody with that. But that's honestly that's I just I just smelled that now. It's like if you were to smell it, it's like perfect. It's dirt. It's just like perfect soil. So when you mix that in now, do you do you have a ratio where you would say one part worm compost with normal compost? Or you just throw that straight out. Well, that's that's more than mature. So that could go straight out if we wanted to like straight straight into the garden um i don't know i i don't know i, I can't answer your question um that uh accurately I, I don't know what the ratio would be maybe half and half if you were to mix if you were worried about like the maturity of your worm compost maybe mix it in with some mature compost and that would probably yeah it was more to spread the benefits so instead of putting all that really really good stuff because it's it's like compost on steroids really yeah yeah you, you would maybe uh i think i've seen on online uh people just mixing that in so they take uh one part worm compost we nine say i don't know six or seven parts normal compost and mix it all in so you're sort of spreading that goodness so then that that bacteria build up that's been in that one part can spread out then and grow under the you're multiplying that way. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot more sense to to do that. Um, I just thought you meant like the hotness of the compost. Would would it be ready to put right on? Um, the I soil? Also, uh, so yeah, no, it is. That's top quality stuff. So yeah, you would want to mix it into some ratio. One to five is probably a good ratio, right? And yeah, spread the wealth, and it would also inoculate that that compost with that the bacteria that's in that. We're, as we're learning, like in the last ten years, everything's bacteria in our bodies. In the soil, in the compost, in the fermented drink, you know. Um, kombucha. It's amazing. <laughs> in the what? Your kombucha. Oh, yeah, the kombucha, yeah. I've never tried that stuff. Took my PDC back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, I mean, you, again, you live, you live near pubs. For me, it's, yeah. you know, I got to drive somewhere. So the kombucha is nice. You get a little bit of, a little bit of alcohol in there. And, but, uh, you know, you get the, you get the, um, the fizz, which I like, just just to have that that fizz in there. Um, you know, I used to drink soda a long, long time ago. Not a lot, but I I love soda, of course. I don't drink it anymore because it's, it's, it's <laughs> if you drink a soda, you'll die, right? So you can't have any soda. 
But yeah. so kombucha is a nice substitute yeah. for that because it's healthy. It's it's living. Here's the difference. Like this is this is compost. Compost. There's dirt, and then there's dirt, and there's soil. What's the difference? Yeah, you're asking me the question there. Yeah. Dirt, dirt, all right, well, dirt's a medium. There's not no. There's no life on it. It's, it's just, dead. It's just, exactly. It's just a structure. There's no life on it. But and then the soil then is is more. There's a, a, a more life on it. It's yeah, loving. Like, there's there's animals there. It's been there's a relationship then between the soil and the you know there's like an eco proper ecosystem there. It's not where dirt's just lifeless. Yeah, it's a dirt is like it's like those Chinese ghost cities. They have all these giant apartment buildings and they're all empty. You know, um, so that's dirt and soil is a thriving city with all the apartment buildings filled. Um, the uh, you know, and then you want to take that substrate further. You you add your uh, carbon, your uh, activated carbon or unactivated carbon or just charcoal to your soil. Now you're adding more apartment buildings and more you know places for the microbes and nutrients to hang out. Um, so how do you? Yeah, so uh, the application the end of compost, what I do is just throw it on top of everything. I just top dress everything. I think it's quite simple. Uh, yeah, the rain will wash uh, it down. It'll do the work uh, for you. Bring the nutrient supply to the soil. So you're, you're providing more life. You're providing food for the soil. You're providing that habitat because if you're adding, like, if it's um, high carbon compost, you're adding that stuff. The only thing is with the when I do me own, you have to uh, sieve it a couple of times just to get, if I want to say, potting mix. <laughs> okay. It is a bit, of, it's a bit more of a pain because then I have to basically sieve it through the, um, it's like, say, a one by one inch mesh, first of all. One by one. Oh, wow. You start with a, a one by one mesh. Yeah, it's like say that, and then I'll 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 filter that. So then it basically gets rid of the like, one centimeter by one centimeter. I'm thinking no, one inch, one inch, one inch by one inch. Oh, one inch. You're doing an inch. So oh, okay. two, two yeah, and a half cent, two and a half centimeters by two and a half centimeters. Okay. Roughly. Uh, yeah, um, so chicken wire, like chicken. Wire. Uh, chicken wire. So that basically gets rid of all the sticks, and then I have a wee smaller one. Then it's like a round one. Must like and then that's just like that's really that's really fine. And that's what I do it to get the potting mix compost. So it does take a yeah, bit. Sometimes it's just going buy the bag of potting mix because it's easier. Sometimes it's right to buy a, a thing of potting mix. Uh, sometimes it is. You know, um, you try to make it so that you don't have to. You know, um, but if you have to, there's no shame in you're buying potting mix. Uh, if you, especially if you're in a small, a small situation and you don't have that, or if you're in an apartment, and you don't have access to the land, but you could still do small composting and keep some plants and, and container garden. Um, um, so it's, it's based on scale. Well, the choice really is based on e economics. Well, if I can go and buy a pot mix for like, I don't know, $5 equivalent, like five pound for an organic pot mix or even an organic multi-purpose, which is pre-screened, which is, and then you just, you plunk it open and you fill your pots. Yeah, they're doing it to scale. If I have to screen all that, it just takes me that long. It may take me an hour, two hours to do that. Whereas so I say, right, well, I'll pay five or six pound and save myself two or three hours work. It's like ah, I'll just do it that way. And then yeah, I mean, um, if you do that math, that's two bucks an hour you're getting for composting. Uh, and then the rest of the compost just goes on top of the beds. So I'm just using that to feed the beds. So there's not too much work involved in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and you could do uh, at the smaller scale, you could you could definitely just buy enough potting mix because it's not a huge amount, you know, um, and it's not super expensive. And yeah, to do it to scale. So it's according to, you know, what your purposes are. Um, it's good to get your hands dirty, literally, because those microbes get on you, too, and it helps your microbiome and all that as we're learning. Um, yeah, so it's it definitely a good benefit, but. It, it is money. You have to balance your money, your time. What is your time worth? What is your purpose in your garden? And every single garden in the world is different. There's yep. no two gardens that are exactly the same, you know. Or, so or, or personalities here in the garden. For yeah. sure, yeah. I mean, we're just biological creatures ourselves. You know, we we think we're smart and sophisticated, 
because we, you know, make cell phones and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're wet and squishy like everyone else. So but it's good to embrace all that life and uh, that stinkiness and squishiness, you know, to the degree that you can handle. Um, but yeah, yeah, compost is living. It's you're, it's a farm. You're really you're really raising animals when you're making compost. You're you're multiplying animals. Um, again, living soil versus dead soil. Kombucha is a living drink versus water, which is a dead drink. Um, you know, uh, fermentation in general, our ancestors fermenting foods in general, by, which is basically bacteria, yeast, um, these microbes doing a lot of work, sort of pre-digesting foods before we have to eat it because, you know, plants defend themselves. So there's like even in vegetables and eating your greens and all, the plants are still have poisons in there that actually can affect our systems, you know, as we're learning about oxalates and, and stuff. Um, but, um, you know, if you eat, if you pre-ferment those foods, like sauerkraut, and there's a lot of fermented foods, um, really fermented foods. There's foods that should be fermented that you buy at the store that have died since. <laughs> so it's still dead. It just mustard, you know, from the French's corporation or whatever corporation is probably dead. It's not. So, but if you're making food at home, it's still living and that goes in you and it just they just join your other microbes and it's a big happy party and it's just healthier and healthier. It's like the less work you have to do to digest it, the better it kind of is for you in a way, um, to a degree, of course. It's something I've never actually, I don't think I've ever tasted fermented food. I may have done not really. Sauerkraut? No. You've not had sauerkraut? Never. Like I love cabbage. Okay. So it's fermented. It does it taste like normal cabbage, or does it taste like I? I, I always, I always. There's a little, there's a little curve to kind of adapt to the taste of fermented foods because it's not like all the dead foods, which are just flavor and sugar. Fermented foods, there's something going on. There's like a little more. So this is like the slightest funk to it, which is nice. It's okay, you know. Um, so, so the vices have to get over the funk. But there's no real <laughs> funk. Just if if you've not eaten any fermented foods, it's going to be a little bit of a new experience because you're actually smelling some life. You're smelling some bacteria and yeast. There's the slightest amount, you know, but people love sauerkraut. People, mustard's technically a fermented food. Um, there's all kinds of ones I, I learned recently that are fermented. But, um, you know, the kombucha, we, we make kombucha here. We make uh, We make cider. Cider and beer are fermented foods, you know, and they're wonderful. You can't yeah, have too I, much of them. You I've, know. I, I've had baths, swimming pools full of beer, so it's not going to... <laughs> I've, I've definitely could feel some swimming pools in my life in uh, historically with with beer and cider um, and probably red wine, too. I got a pool, Olympic-sized swimming pool full of red <laughs> wine in my history. But, uh, uh, but, these, but again, that's fermented. It's, it, it is a fermented food. Like, I don't know if you're buying wine from California or France by the time it gets to you, maybe you from France, but even me for California is still three hours, three hours, 3,000 miles away. So, you know, bottled things. But that's, that's in general. Like, the compost is that same. I, you know, I'm kind of tangenting a little bit about living and dead foods and fermentation, but it's really what compost is. It's, it's allowing... It's allowing microbes to thrive and do work for you. Um, and compost is the sort of, it's like, you know, if you were a consumer at the mall, how do you solve all your problems? A big wad of cash. If you're a gardener with, with a garden and some soil problems, how do you solve your problems? Probably with a big wad of uh, compost because compost seems to forgive almost all sins. Uh, you know, top dressing, it's the easiest, quickest way. Once you can get your compost, even if you're buying it, what's important is that you're gardening. Just know about the compost. That's at the basic level, most basic level. The next level up, if you want to go there, is making a little of your own compost while buying some stuff. And then then you can go full-blown like Cormac and just like produce two cubic meters of compost a year, <laughs> so much that you have to give it away. Uh, it's ridiculous. But I, I would say people start, and I would say start off, on a dual approach because by go out and buy your compost to get started because you could fill like a six by three beaner bed 
two or three bags of compost and you're up and running and you're giving yourself a good head start. Oh yeah. But at the same time, you're that's that's going to take a couple of years for your bed to establish and, and get and, and sort of get under that cycle. But it's a good start. But I would always recommend start as soon as possible with your vegetable scraps. And it's as simple as getting a small corner in your property that it, it uh somewhere that's easily accessible but still far enough from the house that uh the non gardeners in your house can't see it <laughs> and <coughs> start off every tub so in your kitchen sink or underneath your sink throw your vegetables on at the end of the day throw your vegetables out rinse it out wash it back in the house uh. It's important to place it somewhere conveniently so that it actually works. The, like the, uh, the easier you make your system for you, the more likely you'll actually continue to do it because compost takes some effort. It's a, you know, you're uh, taking on a, a responsibility. Uh, and just have it, make it easy for yourself. That if you have a bucket under your sink, well, while you're peeling the spuds, or I shouldn't say sp spuds are the dodgy one, your carrots, your parsnips, all your vegetables. <laughs> so the mother, uh, I have had, I have uh, put potato peels on my compost one year and I had potatoes everywhere because <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, it, it mustn't have got hot enough and it it it's uh, potato peels started growing in the compost. That's crazy. Uh, so I'm doubting their spuds. So just how they rub them out and then you have wee, these wee tiny freaking spuds everywhere and they're like, so that's always dodgy. So start saving your, don't let it's like about Finding a hole for your uh, your waste streams. So it's only waste if you know where they put it. So you have a you have this resource of nutrients and you don't want it leaving your property. You want to keep it on your property. Yes. So find a hole for it and just put it there. Even your bills, your newspapers, cardboard. Uh, instead of putting, we have a recycling bin. I just tear up the cardboard and even, I even put it in a bag under the sink as well. So that that day you're going to be a bag of cardboard, a bag of vegetable scraps, vegetable scraps on cardboard on top. And if you do that, you'll have, you'll have great soil in a couple of years. But then that's that's a start. And then you'll start, you just as you learn more about it. Well, for me, anyway, I just, I, I love compost. <laughs> I don't know why. Yes. But I, I, maybe it's just the engineer. I mean, I like building stuff. So it's yeah, the, you are. Uh, you're building. You're building yeah. soil, really. Building soil, and then for me, yeah. I I'd say prefer building compost than actual gardening. <laughs> so it's, uh, Again, the, uh, there's a, the interesting. I just heard my dog bark. Um, I guess I think he's left outside. He can wait. Um, yeah. So the uh, yeah. So I think yeah. I mean, really, whether you're you're in a small situation, you're just buying bags of compost. Do that. If there's nothing wrong with doing that, um, but when you do make your own compost, you're now not just you're not just saving money and learning how to make compost. You're investing time into closing energy loop, closing one important energy loop, or even two or even three energy loops on your homestead. Like Cormac demonstrated, first of all, it's obviously your food scraps. Instead of just throwing them away, that's you spend a lot of money on that food. And you got to pass it through your some of it through your body and then the rest of it's just waste which is just like you know if you were to if the thing costs five dollars and you were to say here's two extra dollars for a tip every time you bought something some food so that closing that energy loop where you're food waste um and you're also um you know like cormac was closing extra loop with the chicken system so that's you're feeding your food scraps then to the chickens who are also then doing even more work to actually start your compost by kicking around the food and plucking, you know, and aerating it. Um, but uh, so, I mean, I compost, whether you're closing any energy loops or not, because it's going to build your soil. Really, the whole purpose is, is you're in agriculture, you're, you're take, you're destroying that system constantly each year. You're always tilling and destroying all that microbial life. So you have to add chemicals that we got as reparate, you know, from World War II, those kind of chemicals and fertilizers still have been, since World War II, have been put on the land. You have to compensate for that. That's agriculture. That's not what we're doing. We're talking about permaculture. So in permaculture, 
it's really instead of adding chemicals and airplanes and tractors, you're adding compost. And if you do nothing else, add compost. And that compost will naturally feed the soil. And every year it'll build the soil and your soil will become better and better. And soon you'll be like Cormac and you have worms coming out of every part of your land, you know, which is a sign of soil health. Um, so there's a million, there's not a million ways. There's, there's several different methods of composting and not one is right for everybody. It might be a combination of things. It's based on your scale, how much time you want to dedicate, how much time you want to learn and how dirty you want to get, you know? Um, so, but yeah, if you're doing man. nothing else, compost. And then you have to add the, the added benefits when you're making compost, you're getting a workout for an hour when you're turning it. Uh, yes. Things you're like getting that. fresh air. You're getting fresh air. You're going to turn it and you're, you're feeding the garden. You're, as you say, it's a, it's a life you're getting, you're building life. Yes. And, uh, well, I could talk all night about composting. I know. <laughs> Mike, I, know. Uh, I think we're, we're uh, we've been over an hour now, so we'll probably call, call it a day. Thanks yeah. very much. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, like, me too. I, say, I could talk shit for hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good shooting the shit with you. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, next week is definitely irrigation. I made a I, I made a wee oops last week. Uh, if you thought you were getting water, you could compost them. So next week's about water. And uh, if you check the link out for the full series, so we have. For this uh, episode eight, we have three videos, we have three blogs, and um, and then the podcast. So if you go over to vinepermaculture.com forward slash ll8, you can uh, read more about compost and check out our blog. And if you want any help with your composting systems and how that fits in, uh, we're available for consults. So you can check our website as well, check our shop. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, Cormac. Uh, I think I hear the, I hear the worms wiggling right over there. I've got to go tend to them and probably let the dog. In. So <laughs> let the dog. See you next week.